First of all, I'm really disturbed. We don't need to go into it, but our pre-show talk was inappropriate. Was it? No, it was great. <laughs> God took us back. It was well. great and filthy. What was funny is I, I logged in and CJ was here and then she didn't have her headphones on. So she started to put them on. And I pretended <clears> I was in midstream. And then I told her, I was like, I've, I've just been saying filthy things. I hadn't been, but. Anyway, I ramble. Mood. Great story. No, it's a great story. I was with it the whole time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, beginning, middle, and end. Uh, <laughs> y'all, I, we, we have a lot to talk about today, and we're going to get out of here because because our guest today has to get to a Wu-Tang concert, and that is actually top five most important things. If well, you have to get to it, you got to get to it. They're nothing to fuck with. So That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're nothing to fuck with. <laughs> it's a priority. No, I'm actually, I'm actually not being facetious. That's the best part. At the Hollywood Bowl, too, so it's even... Wu-Tang! Oh, Wu-Tang! Wow. That's kind of rad. That'll be tremendous. Yeah. With that many yeah. people? That's good times. Uh, we love the Hollywood Bowl. I also want to shout out, though, we just did a bonus episode. We did an artist spotlight. And I say we. I was not involved. I just posted it. Uh, <laughs> this is a, a CJ and Scott interviewed Pastiche Queen, uh, one of our nominees for the Theater Theater Playwriting Award at Hollywood Fringe Festival 2022. And... Uh, it was a fantastic interview. I listened to the whole thing. I had a great time. They are so wonderful. They I just are loved amazing. them so much. Yeah, it was like instant connection on so many levels. And it's um, amazing. Uh, and just just a fascinating mind. Uh, uh, I, I say this all the time. My favorite artists are the ones that are just clearly smarter than me, which is pretty easy to do. That's a low bar. Sure. Girl. Uh, but... <laughs> but uh, but pastiche. Uh, oh no, was... Scott, you're smart. Sorry, that's sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't fishing. <laughs> I was not fishing. 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 Uh, to quote quote Pap Leggett, fishing. Uh, but uh, anyway, pastiche was just amazing. Just an amazing person. And check out their work. Check out the that episode for sure. But yeah, it was a pleasure. We stan a legend. Mm-hmm. Yes. On this podcast, mm-hmm. and pastiche queen is a legend. So we mm-hmm. stan. Uh, uh, it, me. Yeah, <laughs> Trav, we're actually going to send you Pastiche's play because if you didn't get to see it at Fringe, oh, it was phenomenal! Yeah. You it's would a D&D love it. play, Trav. It's yeah, much more than that, but yeah, I am down. I do like D and I've been blowing off my group for the past two months. Wow, <laughs> my group just beat our a big red dragon, and nice. I had big red dragon. Clothes. I'm married. <laughs> I'm dating a fairy in my campaign. My group just got oh. laid for real. Oh. <laughs> All right, Bailey, we get it. Your D&D group's actually just an orgy. That's true. Uh, that, that is. That's what we role play. I'm sure that happens. It's a rotating swingers party in Pasadena, and yeah. it's not as great as he's making it sound. I'm just saying, I dropped by, and 
Uh, I had some it snacks. It is Pasadena. <laughs> there are a few clunkers there. Yeah, that's right. No, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everyone's I would beautiful. Answer Everyone's Scott's beautiful. Question. Uh, okay, okay. Welcome all. Welcome all. Welcome yes. to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds made yeah. by three theater makers from the LA theater scene. Yeah. I'm J. Baylor Bertram. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. Oh my God! Stop yelling at me. No. <sighs> And each week, <laughs> I get with these boneheads over here, and we discuss, we debate, we disseminate. Y'all aren't boneheads. I love you. You're amazing. No, no. It, 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 was, it was appropriate. Whatever. But we do it. debate. Yes. You are yeah. used to it. It's fine. <laughs> Teasing is my love language, I've learned. Like the women that were in love with ball. Oh. I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Am I ball? Am oh, I the ball of this podcast? Meow, meow, CJ Clawed. You're the balls Clawed of this podcast. Ball. Well, that's true. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, no, but we we get together. We discuss. We debate. We disseminate all over everything, and we discuss the evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at three of their plays. And this is part. Three. That's right. It's the ending. It's the finale. Part three of three of our miniseries covering the works of Bertie Brecht. Bertolt himself. That's right. It's three podcast opera nah. the finale. Yes. Um, and during this series, we'll be taking a macro look at the plays Ball, The Mother, and today, Caucasian Chalk Circle. Mm. And of course, we're joined by writer, performer, poet. Dare I say, deep friend of the pod. Deep friend. A deep, deep friend of the pod. Jeez. A Chicano activist and and an actor. I'm just trying to name all the stuff that I know because I'm not looking at the script. And I should have. And a damn sexy man with a great beard. We've always known that. Since the day I met him, I've envied the beard. It's it's Travis. It's Travis Santos Scotts, mm. the man himself, the James Harden of LA theater. <laughs> okay, I just yeah. I mean, throw sure. out there that I knew Trav pre-beard. I knew pre-beard Gross. Trav. Yeah, I did too. Pre-pubescent? Did too. Is that what you're saying? Pre-beard? No. Oh, oh, oh. That was a different person back then. I honestly um, thought he had the beard person. since he was like 13, but he was kid, born I, with it. Yeah, he was like, born with it. Molded yeah. by it. <laughs> Trav, how are you besides the fact that you're going to a dope concert tonight? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I started my theatrical hiatus last weekend as Mass Graves opened, um, which will be great because I'm excited to take a break. Uh, wrote a new play, so I finished the first draft of that. Um, so that's cool. It's a very, it's an epic style revenge story, as I call it. Um, Sexy. So imagine if brecht and tarantino fucked and had a kid and that's what i'm going for so it's like an old it's like old boy yeah, yeah. okay oh, i like man. that i, I like me some that. old boy mm. me too that, i was that just talking about that got movie, a new movie coming out. yeah that director's got a new movie I'm spike lee park no no the original director thank you park spike lee no this <laughs> is spike lee <laughs> That movie was such uh, a failure. Oh, oh, we're not going to get into it, but the Spike Lee. That, yes. that ain't Spike Lee's fault. Spike Lee had a longer cut that the studio did no. not let him release. Do not put that evil Brolin's on not Spike great Lee. in that. Who, while we talk about Spike Lee, closest, <laughs> Spike Lee is probably, his films are probably the closest we see to what Brecht was going for, I think. That's I my... Could, I could get behind that, especially with... 
like bamboozled the five bloods like well, the even the even the early sure. stuff and the, the real and, early stuff for sure. and the the moving the sitting moving camera shots and all that are very brechtian they're very much take oh, you scott you're wearing the theater theater podcast show. i am i'm wearing the merch i'm wearing the merch i'm selling <laughs> it i'm selling we it probably put merch online sure. T public that's what all the podcasts use. should we do it yeah i want a hat would people buy I want a bear koozie okay. huh I don't have my face on it. I had a beer koozie and a t shirt. But we won't know until we try and sell it. If you're a listener and you would buy something, let us know and then we'll 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 make it happen. Because the shirt kind of rules. The shirt fucking rules. If you want my face on your shirt, let them know. (laughs) And I'm willing to donate my likeness to theater theaters. Can it just be the, the beard and brows though? Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I want. I just yeah, want like those Bernie else. stickers where it's just sure. the hair and the glasses. Sure. Yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> okay, we'll put it on T Public. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, Fuck it. It's all gonna happen, and then we'll make one with just Bertolt Brecht's stupid face on it. Um, <laughs> that'll be fun too. Okay, okay, okay. Today mm-hmm. we are talking about a pretty uh, massive play in the canon. One that I think. I was handed in theater school and I assume most people read in theater school or at least are somehow introduced to it or hear the name of it. I also saw it in Kansas City one time. Um, This is the Caucasian Chalk Circle. Yeah. Uh, Question for y'all first. Who has seen this one? I have seen it. Yeah. I saw a production that I liked. Can I be honest? Yeah. I forgot to reread it. (laughs) I like didn't remember until today. And I was like, oh, right, I need to read the play, too. So I haven't reread this one. Well. I'm sorry. Um, But I have seen it. And I have read it. But I don't know what it's about anymore. (laughs) CJ has has just the thing. She has the remedy. Um. CJ's Breakdown. Two groups of peasants are in dispute about who gets the valley after it's been bombed to shit during World War II. When an agreement is made, a singer and chorus come forward to tell the story of Grusha and her rescued slash adopted son Michael, which is basically a retelling of the baby bisecting Solomon myth in the Bible. Oh, and also some digression about a drunk as shit judge who is corrupt as fuck. Not sure why we needed that backstory plus way too many extra songs. That's right, y'all. A play within a play within a play. Yippee! Yippee. <laughs> Any comments on that? Anyone have a comment on that? On, uh, on the breakdown? Yeah, I liked it. CJ, you nailed that. Um, <laughs> my thoughts, exactly. I, well, I also um, read, too, that it was based on a Chinese story, which I'm correct. unfamiliar with, but I'm guessing probably came before the Bible myth. Can't say Chinese. No, I think it came after. I think it came after the Bible myth, but it's oh. it's centuries old. It's a it's an old Chinese story, which ends differently. But also there's assumed... only like 37 stories ever told ever. So <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Story, so. the, the end of your summary, though, uh, did pinpoint on my favorite line that I think sums up my whole theory on this whole play. Uh, it's a few plays. It's a, it's a little exchange in it, which goes the expert saying and this is at the end of act one. The expert goes, how long will the story take, Arkady? I have to get back to Tiflis tonight. The singer, casually. It is actually two stories, a few hours. The expert, very confidently, couldn't you make it shorter? 
the secret. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have that, ideas. That sums up my uh my yeah, me too. That mm-hmm. sums up my whole feelings on this play. I, Surprisingly, this isn't even in my rankings on Breck plays. It's yeah. um spoiler alert. <laughs> there I found it more accessible. I saw a really great production of this in LA in like roughly like the early early to mid aughts maybe and i don't remember where it was but what i remember was is that the band and the singer were a group of of actual russian like folk musicians oh that's cool and so it the singer was so magnetic that it made and the music was so cool that it made the show and then everything yeah. else was just like ah, allegory it's a brechtian allegory and um yeah but i i didn't like that production of it i think this is an example too of of one of the plays that doesn't read well uh one Wait, of his it took plays me so many sittings took, to get through this yeah play. me too me too um but it is an example where there was clarity for me looking at it really from a director's point of view and going, oh, there's so much you can do here, Um, which I think is the trick. I don't think he's, I don't know if Brecht actually writes plays. He seems to write, (laughs) and what I mean by that is that he writes direction. And Travis said it in episode one or two that that there's something missing from the page, that, that he was so directly connected to it usually he was usually directing right. or co-directing or getting in, kicked out of the rehearsal room or which whatever. is also you could argue for shakespeare and you could argue for True. even maybe like maybe even like sarah kane in a bit sure but, yeah. so if you in also original productions anyway if you go into a lot of what breck says he uses shakespeare as one of his main like influences in the plays he writes uh just because like he feels that shakespeare was like the original epic theater so epic theater to him is like if you took shakespeare and no theater and they had a baby and it would be epic theater and mix it with like a lecture yeah yeah Yeah. have some political (laughs) shit into it yeah (laughs) my the the thing that i have enjoyed about reading these plays is realizing that on the page and with the original subject matter, maybe they're a little outdated or the language needs to be updated. And so my favorite thing to do with these has been reading them being like, okay, well, how would I do this for a modern audience? And this one, I thought, again, has the potential to be a near farce. And the judge storyline, for my part, could be a dumb show. Like, I did not need the 25 pages of the judge. <laughs> I have to... I, my part. memory of the Kansas City rep is where I want to say I saw it for school. I was at, uh, when I was at Hogwarts, we went and saw it at the KC rep and it was, I think it was played that way. See, Mm. like I, that's how I remember it anyway, was being a little farcical. It was a little silly. It was a little out there. It was theatrical for theatrical sake sometimes. Like, Like, I I think you could go comedia with this. Like you could go as farcy, not farcy, farcical. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I, I do think there's something, I, I'm I'm digging my brain, and again, I kind of wish I had reread it because it would have re-sparked all of this for me. But the two stories of the two factions, right? There's there's the, at the that beginning. Are telling the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I remember there being sort of different vibes for each story or, or quote-unquote play within a play. Like the framing story was kind of normal and everything within it was – like one was kind of farcical and one was kind of – Grounded. Something else or grounded. Yeah, I don't really remember. Again, I'm – I'm talking and I would do ass, but... I would do that first part grounded the the valley dispute. Sure. I would sure. do that grounded maybe even in the round amongst the audience. Yeah. And then I would do the main story farcical and then I do the judge story as just like a we're taking a break in your programming for this dumb show. Like that's kind of how I felt it could be fun. Interesting. Because yeah. all of the characters in it in the main story are so cartoonishly stupid or evil except for the lead gal. Yeah, no, I think Which you're, is, you're absolutely right. That's how right. Three Penny reads, too. I know we didn't sure. cover that, but that's definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, that... I think that where the oftentimes the problem is in talking about Brecht is what the style of it was. What volume was that at in, Bur you know, in pre-war Germany what was what was the volume like in 1937 on a Brecht play and what what was that energy and what was that vibe and that's never that's the one of my big gripes about people talking about it because what 71 she his wife passes away and she's the one who's yeah. doing the theater so really after 1971 so 50 years ago we're into third generation remembrances or variations of it. And so I, so when people talk about the, the thing of Brecht and, and it should be stoic and blah, I'm like, oh, that's horrible. But, you know, I, the, this version of this that I saw and even like the production of Ball that I saw at Sacred Fools, like there was, there was interpretation happening. And I think that th that might be his one of his great successes as a as a career is that these it's these works that allow for um playing around with stylistically yeah. yeah and it goes it goes back to just kind of what i said about uh in in his mind the way to do his plays was not how he wrote them because of the time period he did but making it work for the modern audience making yeah. it work for he's doing today. what the catholic church can't do yeah it, well, it's, <laughs> it's he like, wants to do what the catholic church can't do <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's like what i did with concrete jungle where i adapted it to modern day chicano and black relations as opposed to immigrant relations of 1930s 1920s chicago you know yeah um and th th that's what it that's what it needs to be to where you have to figure out where he's getting at which as scott said and bailey i think you said it as well could be a little simple simple but adapt it to today and make it work for today sure. to where uh it's capitalism is driving us against each other as with concrete jungle or even with this, where it's about people escaping from a fascist government to where you could like really kind of make to make this play modern day by putting it with like immigrant stories. Today. Yeah, it needs to be it needs to have a vision behind it. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like if you're just going to tell Mother Courage again, it's not going to hit anybody, really. But if it you do Ruined. Right, exactly. Right. But if you do a Nottage uh, adaptation of it, it's going to blow some minds, right? And mm -hmm. even though that's also a history, it's just so relevant, yeah. right? So I think I think there's something to what you're saying, Travis, is director, producer, theater company, whatever it may be that has a vision. Of course, Brecht is absolutely worth uh, – and that's kind of – 
that's kind of our where our discussions always sort of end up, especially with play, playwrights we don't love, right? Is like, is this worth doing? Is it like, is this worth still doing? And we kind of talked about it with Oscar Wilde. And I think the answer, my answer, I don't know what y'all feel. I think there's, to exactly what Trav is saying, there's definitely reason to do Brecht. There's definitely things that you can change and shift and adapt and make your own that are worth telling today. However, I don't think any of his works, personally, that I'm, uh, that I have a relationship with, work today without without that twist, without I, that change. The mm. only one that probably could would be Arturo Ui. I think Arturo right. Ui could probably do it because it's a ga- it's a gangster film. Scott, who did we run into the other night who was saying that's their favorite Breck play? Yeah, Tyler. and and I'll digress because I was going to mention it later, but he that he says that that he got to see it in Toronto uh, at the Shaw Festival, uh, and he said it was the single best play that he'd ever seen. And this dude grew Brecht up at a Shaw Festival. That's this? kind of fun. Well, he didn't do he didn't. I mean, they were doing the Brecht. He Brecht himself wasn't doing it. But... No, I know, I know. But Brecht at a Shaw Festival is interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, who, yeah. who said this? <laughs> My friend Tyler. Uh, nice. Oh, you... I met Tyler. Yeah, okay. yeah Tyler's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's a great play. I just had a friend actually do it in Florida. Shout out to Real Poet. Uh, she was part of, she like got on American Theaters Magazine, like doing the show. Oh, and cool. was, like the oh, great. Like, head banner on their Facebook page and stuff, which was dope. um but yeah they just did that but like even then though i would as much as i think it could translate straight up i would still rather see an adaption of it because like like we got gangsters today we don't have to do an old-timey gangsta like we can make it more modern time we could make it if we got like a spoken word poet to adapt it or we got a hip-hop person to adapt it we can make a more modern sound to it and make it like a really cool show kind of like what i did with concrete jungle by modernizing it with like hip-hop beats in the poems and stuff like that and hip-hop lingo and modern day just like talk because then it then it just it gets it to where we can have people from the right class make it to the show like with Concrete Jungle, we had uh, so we had a, a good turnout of uh, Chicano folks like coming to see the show, hooting and hollering our opening night as soon yeah. as the abuela came on. Like that's what it should be is like these folks that don't see themselves in theater should see themselves in theater. Right. Absolutely. With all playwrights. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we should be doing that with all. A hundred percent. All theater. Yeah. And, yeah. and let's be real with Brecht. We as a world are staring down the barrel of fascism right now again. Yeah. So, I oh, mean, yeah. all this stuff is circular. Well, yeah. Is it again and, uh, or is it still? I don't know. I think you're but... right. I think both is right. <laughs> but, I mean, and and you, those themes that he keeps repeating, you know, the themes about class and struggle, the themes about the cruelty of class differentiation, his continuous themes of motherhood and parenthood and family and how that can be broken down by the world and all that. Those are universal themes. And the fact that he tells stuff so allegorically often, at least in Caucasian chalk circle, makes it, uh, again, accessible. It's just about uh, execution. And I think that that's where... 
um, people make missteps. And, and this is what Tyler and I were also talking about. And we, we've talked about this a couple times throughout the series, just about sort of the academic takeover of Brecht, like that mm-hmm. academia kind of was like, it's, it's ours because it's complicated and it's theories. And, and it's like everything that he wrote, all of his theories and ideas or whatever, the work is what matters. And if you try and hold on to a specific time or place with it, I think you're missing the point a, and you're making it inaccessible. You're making it boring. I don't want to see a 1939 version of, of any of this stuff. I right. want to see a modern version, like like Travis was saying, you know, or a conceptualized version, at a least. conceptualized something that's that, something that yeah. that that puts because to remind the audience where where we're at, you know, right. or even a ju- or you know, using some cool anachronisms, setting it in Nazi Germany, but with hip hop beats and. Right. And, uh, you know, a diverse cast. And then, woof, all of a sudden it takes on a whole different breath in life. We were doing sort of a, with Three Penny uh, when, I, when I was headed into it with, for, uh, when COVID hit uh, with Two Cents. My take was that it was going to be this sort of like late 60s, maybe early 70s, but like late 60s sort of like den of thieves who are like i mean i was i was conceptualizing but then everybody like at the show had to become beggars that was the whole thing is it's like okay Uh, you the audience are beggars and we and you know and i'm not gonna get into it It, there was a lot to it because it was a very two cents was an immersive theater group so i was like how do i make brecht immersive completely and we got really deep with it to the point where we were going to be handing out sheet music to people and shit like it was was gonna be nuts (laughs) um uh, to like Mac the knife and shit that people already know, sure. but it was, but it was going to be fun. Um, and so I agree. I just think like, and also I say this on the podcast all the time. This is my most pretentious saying on the podcast, but I'm just going to say it again. Like why tell the same stories without a new voice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like why? It's like, like covering music. Don't just cover it. Change yeah, it. Change it. Do something different. Like yeah. don't just sing the song again with the same backing. Like I want to yeah. hear, you know, what you I'm, do with it. I agree cool. with that. Like I, uh, I have this argument with a bunch of my friends who like work with theatricum and stuff and they're like the Shakespeare purists let's do it for the language sake all that bullshit I got my equity Uh, card with them yeah but like my argument is always like nobody nobody wants to see Shakespeare other than people who like Shakespeare and want to jerk off to Shakespeare honestly and like but nobody outside fucking Shakespeare fans and some theater people want to go see a classically done Shakespeare play Unless they're like in in England and they're like, let's go to the fucking yeah, world but thing. But, but we're in LA. We're not we're not in England. And that's still that's like true. that's even when I went to the Globe, I saw an updated yeah. version of Pericles. So. He, but, <laughs> well, that's even, true. That's true. Yeah. Even if you're going to the Globe, you're taking in something new because you're doing like this immersive theater almost by going yeah, yeah. to Shakespeare's Globe and living doing and standing and watching. Thing, yeah, yeah, all that fucking shit. But like today it's like you want that concept. You want it. You want somebody to update it or to cut it down to a certain vision or something. Um, I think it would be fucking bold as hell if, some, if a writer was like, I'm going to rewrite Hamlet, iambic pentameter, but it's going to be modern day. Fuck it. You I know? Don't, like, I don't remember like that. who the company was. It might have been Theatricum. There was someone who a few years ago did, was it Midsummer or it was one of the Shakespeare shows, but with the Power Rangers. 
Oh my god. As all the characters. That's a great idea. And everyone who saw it was like, that was rocking. It yeah, was radical. Yeah. It was weird and cool. And we were with it. And the language made sense. And it was like, it was so rad. So uh, I think, yeah, we can yeah, do anything. Oh, well, but it's like scholarly theater likes to just ignore what's going on today because they're so wrapped up in the past. Sorry, CJ, for that's interrupting okay. you. No. <laughs> we, I just want everyone was y'all were just talking about rewriting Hamlet. I mean, one person we need to call out who I know has been stoked on this miniseries, Jonas Oppenheim, mm. did a 90 minute long, completely wordless, except for two words at the very end, called Hamlet Shut Up. 90 minutes long, over 200 props, um, double casting, and they took it to the New York Fringe. Like, they, it was or a really it, successful it, it, production. It, it, it was, it was great. Marvelous. It was really, really cool. I worked backstage inventive. crew on that show. <laughs> Did you? That was right. I, I was one of the artistic directors who chose that show. It was a good show. It was great. Oh, nostalgia. Yeah, anyway. I mean, and that's the shit you got to do. Like, with any old writer, that's why I think fucking copyrights are bullshit. Honestly, the copyright laws, other than to like, if Scott wants to rip off my fucking play, let's fucking fight. But like, if we're gonna rip off Arthur Miller, I don't wanna fight you. if we're gonna what? rip off Tennessee Williams, they need to it. be ripped off. They're <laughs> fucking eighty years old now. Like they li- they were before again, the internet even fucking existed. Once again, there's only thirty seven stories ever told. So <laughs> yeah, let's just and one of them is death of a saying. salesman. That's yeah, right. That's <laughs> number thirty six actually. Like, it's, right at the end. Like in all honesty, and I'm with all respect to the Brecht estate because they let me have rights to this play, but it's also fucking bullshit that I have to go through the Brecht estate to adapt his play when wow. a lot of he, money, a lot of money. a lot of money. I get it. They they have a shop. They have a candy shop across from La Mama. Very good candy, by the way, to keep open. <laughs> but <laughs> it, 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 when talking about Breck and shit he said, where he not only says that we, it needs to be opti- updated for a modern day audience, but also he encourages plagiarism because he himself did that. The yeah. fact that t- there is copyright censorship on his plays is kind of bullshit and antithetical to anything he stood for. You know, and... but I think almost, and I'm not arguing with you because I agree with that completely. But I almost wonder if, like, with the for the Brecht estate, it's like really you could just have done Concrete Jungle and done this exact same story and changed the names and done it, and no one probably would have necessarily. People don't know no, that they play would... in the city in the Jungle of Cities that well, so but... not a lot of people might have like called it out. And even if they did, you could have been like, "Oh, I've never read it." But to put his name on it, we we I put his name on it after the... all after all this went down. Gotcha. Like, like we, we but tried even that. so, like but I think that's off, what they, they want in terms of the estate, right? Exactly. Is that the oh? So they jumped on it first. Yeah. Is what we happened. we we oh, tried what you're saying first. That. Didn't did, uh, they jumped on us as soon as the season was announced? Interesting. Like that. Uh, like yeah, like. Did you say his name though? No. I didn't say his name at all. I said it was based on The Jungle by uh, Upton Sinclair, which oh, okay. In the Jungle of the Cities was based off of. But they still jumped on it like that because that's how good their fucking lawyers are. And they gave they gave me the rights for free. I want to say that. And that was fucking awesome of them. And yeah. I, I have nothing bad to say other than just being a Brecht scholar and like 
nerding out on his theories, it, I find it antithetical to what he stood for. And this goes for any writer out there, whether it's Albie or Miller or any writer that has these copyright laws. I think, I think it's a detriment also to our industry in general. Hmm. and uh to the living of theater to where we like me and you we're all most of us here we're pretty poor theater artists without a company we couldn't put on a published play on our own and really make any money or even get our money back literally having this argument a couple weeks uh, we, ago ca- we can't we can't put on a soundheim <laughs> musical and not come out in the red even if we had a company behind us and that I think is stalling theater from living the way it needs to be. That's why everybody knows Shakespeare is because Shakespeare's fucking free. We could do Shakespeare, but we can't. We have to pay seventy five a show for Arthur Miller, where now we can't even charge ticket prices if we're a non theater. But like, uh, it, it, it's that stuff that I think like keeps us from like being able to build on top of. As theater. a theater uh, maker who is poor, I agree with you. Yeah. As an artist, I deeply disagree with you. Only because I know that someday I would like to put out something that my family can live on for the rest of my their my oh, generations. I agree. You know what I mean? Like same th- here because of the but, it being produced and the amount of money that comes from that. And like, but, but you know, but it just, goes it goes to Jay Z, man. He he bit off Nas's track and just did it better. So they can do it better, they can do it better. But you sure. do it better, you do it better, and you get that money to live on. Like, that's my thing, is just, like, it, it's stifling creativity. Because Concrete Jungle wasn't me just, like, rewriting the play. I literally just took the ideas of the play right. and wrote my own scenes. But if, okay, here's a, hit. here's a theory for you. And, again, I'm, I'm not trying to create a deep argument here because I, I, I mostly agree with you. That's if, a great argument, though. No, it's great. <laughs> nice. If Sondheim... If uh, it, Sondheim's stuff was all free to adapt, all of it, five million into the woods would come out tomorrow. <laughs> sure. Right? Yep. Which is fine. Great. But then how does any one of them shine? How does any one of them get to a place where a lot of people get to see it because it's the one that actually hits and the one that like is, is creating good art? Now, I also think art should just be made everywhere and nothing matters and whatever. But then there's this Hamilton thing where this church rewrites Hamilton to make it, they, they use Hamilton and then they just rewrite certain words to make it about Jesus. Right. Is that the church in Canada? No, they know. were, I think it was in, I heard America. all about this evangelical it church. America, Go on. Sorry. Yeah. And like things like this, that I think are, prov- are why these rules are in place. However, you're correct that then when it's like comes to paying rights and you're a small theater and you're like, or you're a small group of people who just want to put up a fucking show. Mm -hmm. It's a very difficult situation. And I agree with that completely. And I wish there was more openness there. I wish there was more like, we understand you're just a crew here. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Make some money. Just give us 5% of box office or something, something like that. Like that would be cool. And I mean, there's there's stuff like that. Like there, before I've emailed uh, Adam Rapp and got him to be like, yeah, give me 20 bucks a show and you could do my play. You know, stuff like that. Cool. Like, yeah, like it, it, it's it, there. There are places that do that. I, I think my bigger thing is. Uh, when you talk about like the bunch of Into the Woods things that come out like so fucking what? How many Sharanos have we gotten? 
you know, which Sereno sure. shine, the ones that are good or the ones that have Peter Cerno. Dinklage attached, you know, but we're, we're getting, <laughs> or are the ones that are like Roxanne that take this big new leap of Sereno, you know, to where we're going to see all these into the woods. Sure. But we're going to see these Roxanne's of into the woods and we're going to see these Dinklage versions of Into the Woods. And we're going to see these I different takes. I like the Dinklage Cyrano. I haven't mm. seen it. I'll be honest. So I, <laughs> I have great, no opinion man. on I it. I loved it. But like, we're going to, we're going to get, <laughs> we're going to get that amount of creativity inspired from this. And we don't have to worry about getting fucking sued because one thing is the same. And even right. if it's a classic story, like in the jungle of the cities based on the jungle by Upton Sinclair. And I'm still getting hit by a lawyer for it. You know what I mean? To where it's where we're adapting, and it it should be more free, free form like that, free to use creativity. And I think it should be the best man wins. Honestly, now if I'm if I take three guys one group on and just like change my change your name to my name, like mm-hmm. just cross it out, fucking sue my ass. Sure, sue my fucking ass. Well, and but, I, it's an adaptation of of waiting for Godot. Yeah. So it's like I'm just stealing shit anyway. So. Yeah, like in the end, it's all <laughs> getting sold. But it's like, but like if I if I if I fucking straight up take it, I get that. Yeah. My thing is like if I'm like okay, I dig that. Now I'm gonna have a uh, three guys leaving a Yelp review. It's going to be a different play. You know what I mean? Sure. Oh, that'll be three assholes then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's a different play. And, that, and like, it's now, it's now seeing this like alternate universe of these three guys doing their thing together, as opposed to retelling the story. You know, does, does that make any sense? It's. Yeah. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Saying. Yeah, for sure. I think we're all on the same page. Really what it is. And it, listeners, if you have an opinion, you know, get in on this. Get in on it. But really what it is, is to me, is everyone is very hungry. Uh, all artists are very hungry to make art. And sometimes making art is putting up a play that you really want to put up that you love. And that play costs $120 a night. And and then you have to pay for the space and everything plus else that all goes the every, yeah. all yeah. the other millions of things you have on, to think about yes and it's and tough. On, on top of that though and since we're talking about brecht if we're talking about is these are stories that i think should be told today as we've said earlier arturo we is probably one of the most relevant ones to today especially over the next two years it's going to become more relevant as we fall into fascism. So are going to be 5 million other of the Brack plays, because that's all he fucking talks about for like 10 years. Mm. But we're not going to be able to have actual artists doing that shit because there's shit like royalties and shit like rights that we have to worry about. And if we do adapt it, we have to go through all these loopholes that we're not prepared to do. And that is going to become detrimental to where the people who are going to be putting on these anti-fascist plays are going to be people who are uh, fucking funded by these fascists, by the by the one uh, percent, the people who are getting those fucking foundation grants from uh, what's his face, uh, what, the big fucking motherfucker in New York that I'm totally spacing on. Sack. Rockefeller, like <laughs> they're getting the Rockefeller grants and shit Dwayne like that. Dwayne the Rock that. Johnson, yeah, oh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, yeah, but like they're getting like the Rockefeller grants and shit, to where it's like, if we're letting the one percent 
fund our art. And the only way we could do this art is by getting the 1% money. Can we really do stuff like Brecht and stuff like this kind of like anti-fascist work when we're getting funded by openly fascist people or not openly fascist people, depending on where you take on this political spectrum and your vision on it. Because I look at both sides and I see two different sides of fascism. And it could also go into, and you could even go into Brecht's life and his two sides of fascism when he went from both Nazi Germany to McCarthy America and then back to Stalin Germany. Like everywhere he's went, he dealt with this stuff. Right. And to the point where how how are we going to be able to have this anti-capitalist message, this anti-fascist message when we're going towards the money and we're letting that corrupt what we're saying? Sure. Unfortunately, Brecht has had little impact on the outside world and much impact on the theater world, I feel like. And so we are still in a terrible capitalist three penny sure. podcast society um i'm gonna take my soapbox back for a second all I'm right oh on. here we go uh because i'm gonna hop on my i'll hop on one for a second um mine's about how much i love this podcast and how much i love you three. Oh, get off of that these... get oh, off okay of okay that. okay get i'm sorry out. i'll get off i'll get off um <laughs> no, i like nice bailey yeah we do. <laughs> i'm nice sometimes um no it's uh, here's the thing i i Caucasian shock circle specifically, which I know is the the one we're like deeply covering, but we got to get out of here kind of soon because I want to make sure Trav gets to Wu Tang. I like this play from my memory. (laughs) 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 I don't feel like I can, we're going to get to this in a second, but I don't feel like I can actually like fully rank these plays because I didn't reread it. And I feel really shitty about that because I'm, I've been so good about reading the plays and I just didn't do it. I, sometimes I don't watch the movie that happened twice. I think where I didn't get to watch the movie (laughs) and I came in like, but I know this movie, it's fine. Um, that happened with West Side Story, the new West Side Story. I was like, shit, I didn't get to rewatch it, but I've seen it like four times. Um, anyway, I admit to this one, uh, and I will always admit when I haven't read it, because I just won't be able to really talk deeply about it, but from my memory, I like this play. And I feel like I've said that on all three episodes. This is my final say on Brecht in general, by the way. Um, I think all three episodes I've said, like, oh, I kind of like this play. I don't hate it. I kind of like it. For the most part, I like, I do. I get it, because they're hard to read. Um, but I get, I see it and they get my mind working in like, oh, and I guess I would do this. That'd be kind of fun. And I would probably do it like this instead of like that, because that's weird. Right. So I had fun as an Imagineer, if you will, <laughs> uh, a Disney Imagineer. That's copyrighted. Be careful. <laughs> Gee, you're right. <laughs> get rid of it. I can't do it. They'll, they'll, they'll sue it. us. They'll sue us. Jesus Christ. Oh, Disney, I only have like a thousand bucks in savings. So relevant. It's so relevant. <laughs> I um, represent the Walt Disney firm and you, sir, are no Imagineer. <laughs> which, by the way, we're going to be doing, this all reminds me of Fuck Julie, which is one of our <gasps> nominees. Yeah. So just such a good play. Anyway, I will be doing an artist spotlight with those writers soon because that was a genius thing about copyright and Julie Andrews stealing people's uh <laughs> it was such a good ips <laughs> um it was good times um okay my point was all that to say i do also have like a little bit of this and i've already said this and trav i've already said this to you and i've said it on the podcast before there is that part of me with breck that does feel like if it's not being updated if we're just doing it what it is now 
a lot of his themes and a lot of the things he's talking about are old news to me. Just like when I go see a play about January 6th and I'm a liberal and I'm like, I know, I know. Right. I watched it. I watched it have it. That's how I feel a bit with Brecht. I'm a little bit like, oh, I know. No, I know. But I think it's important when we adapt and I think it's important when we revitalize things that they matter to the people who see them. Like you said, when it when it really matters to an audience uh, seeing themselves represented, right? Like that matters no matter what, but that matters deeply to me with with, with doing Brecht. I was going to put up a three penny, you know, I, I like I I can't say I hate him. I can't say that. Do I have the desire to read his plays? Not really. Do I really want to study him like you do, Trav? No. He's just not for me. And that one quote specifically, which I think can be read many different ways, about it's a hammer, right? The theater is a hammer and not Mm a um, whatever. Um, To me, the, the way that that reads to me is incorrect about my philosophy about theater. Because I view theater as escapism more than teach, more than lecture, more than you should come to learn something. I I think people can be changed by anything without it being hammered. I think people can be changed by by My Fair Lady because a note was hit a certain way that they Mm -hmm. hadn't heard it before and it just like bursts their heart open and they go home and they treat their kid better. I don't know. Like it's like it like anything can do that. So when I read Brecht, I'm like, yeah, for some people that might that that could work in in an adapted form. I am too lazy to adapt Brecht. I'll leave that to you, um, and I'll just come see them, and that'll be fun as fuck. Uh, that's my final word on Brecht. I just wanted to say it all. I, I, I'm not creating argument. I'm not because I agree with all the things. He's great. He did a lot, but I want to give it. I want to hand this over, and I think we should let. We should let Trav have final, final word on Breck. But Siege, Scott, do you have a final Caucasian chalk circle? Do you have a final Breck statement? Go for it, Scott. I'll go second. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just for that, Siege, I think you should go. No, I'm kidding. Uh-huh. Go ahead, Scott. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, no, I, I <laughs> mean, think... Mean I, Bailey I, came out for a second. I'm sorry. Shocking. I think... Um, <laughs> For me, I kind of I feel uh, similar in so many ways, Bailey. And um, it was funny in talking to our friend Tyler last week about him seeing stuff. The first thing he did was like, oh, no, academia has has ruined him in a lot of ways because it's become so focused on philosophy and structure and da 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 da. and, And has lost the real purpose of it, the sort of rawness of doing theater. This sort of base thing was base concept of of the epic theater, which was we're in a theater. You can't ignore you're in a fucking theater. So let's acknowledge we're in a fucking theater. That's fascinating. Like that, that breaks rules. And I love rule breakers. Um, I just think ultimately that, that he was usurped by academia and that kind of, just it just exhausted me about him and trying to learn him and i felt there was a period in my life where i was really trying to get my head wrapped around him and and couldn't quite do that and then what i realized was that and and, and this kind of goes into both what you were saying bailey and what Tra- trav's been saying too is that 
the idea that it can be taken, the idea that bits and pieces and ideas can be taken from what he did and the way he did it and the themes that he was dealing with and then reignited is really exciting. And I think also when you look at sort of when he ended and what was beginning right after him. So he dies in 56, which is right as Peter Hall is coming up. And he, Peter Hall takes everything that he's seen and he's got to see Brecht and goes, ah, and he takes the bits and pieces that he thinks are interesting and he puts them through this very simple theory. And I think that another thing another there's a cultural element i think too that kind of that creates a gap in in fully wrapping our heads around brecht in that those ideas this sort of outlying of the idea before the execution of the of the work um is a very big german thing mm. it's, a, it's a very german idea to go i'm going to plan this out and i'm going to make sure that all the details are in place and then I'm going to do it. And um, and that's fascinating. There's something yeah. very fascinating about him and his work. I just don't always connect with it. Um, but it's exciting when Trav does something that he did. It was really exciting to watch that production of Caucasian Chalk Circle that I saw that was just these amazing Russian, I think they were all actually Russian musicians and they, the way they moved around, the way they used the space and told the story. I was like, ah, this is cool. And then the everything else became secondary, but that's where I'll end it. CJ? Um, something that uh, sparked up while I was list while I was reading this play, but also it's kind of a theme for me reading all of these plays, is Breck's view on women. And it's more just, I, I wish I could have sat down with him. I know he worked with women. I know he respected women. I know his work shifted. Um, I got really angry when I was reading the judge sidebar story and he has the one woman come in, her name's Ludovica, mm -hmm. and she says that she was raped. And then they bring in the other, the guy that, so, that did it and then the judge says, which he's corrupt as fuck. And he's like, well, Ludovica's kind of hot. So um, she actually raped him. And if you want my full judgment, you need to come back behind the barrister stand with me. So, but the thing is, as I realize, is Brecht could have meant that two different ways. It, it, like Ball, it could be a mirror of how are we treating women? How do we value women in this society? Because the most valued woman in these three plays we read was the mother and she's sex like sexless which isn't a great way to put it but she's she's old even though she's 42 and she's past childbearing age and so it's just i was initially mad but i was like well you didn't know the guy maybe he was trying to put it out there and see how people reacted mm -hmm. to the material see Point. how it was performed um, and that's just really kept me thinking with all of this. And mm. if I can say anything about Brecht, he's kept my brain spinning the whole time, which has been a challenge and it's been good for me. Brecht really interesting me point. Right round, baby, right round. Trav. Yeah. Uh, my comment is uh, first to answer CJ's. I think he. I think his meaning of it is to kind of bring up that absurdity of it. A lot of his shit was absurdity through just being super blunt um, about. But also, that's about been like that. 
that's still an argument people use when a woman says she's been violated. They're like, well, what were you wearing? Were you dr-? I mean, it's something yeah. that still works today. But also oh in God. the 40s, I could see it being like, well, that's the point. Don't wear such a short fucking skirt, lady. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, uh, that's not the point he was making, though. Because right. if you go through it, like, he judges are usually the villains of the story, no matter who they are. Uh, you go all the way back to Mahogany, but stuff then, like that. It's... I'm sorry to interrupt. When I was reading a synopsis of this play, as I was going through, the person writing the synopsis thought the judge was kind of a good guy sometimes. Yeah, so, but, like, that's that's an interesting twist, too. Go on. I'm done. Yeah, no, uh, but that's just people who are fucking idiots when writing <laughs> synopsis on this shit. And I bet the person who wrote that synopsis probably only read that play, this play, or may have read, like, the big ones, you know? Uh yeah, but overall, I mean, Brecht is a hydropyranthropist, you know. Um, he he has his good, he has his bad. Uh, his plays are also both good or bad. Uh, Bailey is on mute. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, uh, he, he uh, I, th- I think he does a lot, has a lot more good than bad in in his work in general i think uh the way it has impacted theater is probably for the best if you go through black latino uh theater like that's all it is for the most part is epic theater especially if you go into latino theater like you go into fucking zoot suit that is epic theater yeah you go into right. yeah. yeah you go into augusto boyle and all his theories that's all based on epic theater and just going well breck was middle class he wasn't poor now let's take his theories and do it from the point of view of poor folks um because who aren't from a first world country and born in middle class in that first world country. So his influence uh, expands more. And that's how I like got really into the breath thing too, as I was going through like Augusta Boyle and Luis Valdez and stuff like that. And seeing that a lot of uh, my people's influence came from this man's theories. And I knew a little bit about it before, but not as crazy as I do now. Uh, and it just became very important, especially Zoot Suit. I recommend uh netflix watch zoot suit because the way they film it is beautiful and it's beautifully epic too mm. um yeah it's well done I yeah agree. it's it's an amazing it's probably one of the best like stage adaptations of a or film adaptations of a stage play out there solely because they don't hide the fact that it's a stage play um so like it's his influence that goes around you go I'm sure all of us are Dylan fans. Like we wouldn't have the times they are a changing if it wasn't for Bertolt Brecht because Dylan based that song off one of his poems. Yeah. We wouldn't have a lot of what Bowie did uh, post Berlin if it wasn't for Brecht. You know, we wouldn't have a lot of folk and rock musicians if it wasn't for Brecht because he was a big influence in that scene, especially in the anti-fascist musician scene of that time. Uh, So his plays there's some good some really good ones there's also some really bad ones and then there's some that you'll read and you'll be like it's a damn shame he ran from the nazis like round heads and pointed heads his measure for measure adaptation one of the best potential plays out there and it was a first draft because he's like oh my wife is jewish and i'm a communist so i gotta get out of here and now time to talk about anti-fascism and like 
round heads and pointed heads, like the way it talked about racism was very well done. Uh, and like, especially for like a white German dude, I should say. Uh, <laughs> but um, like, yeah, so that's, that's where I kind of stand on Brecht is he is this hypocritical figure. He was a middle class, first world uh, person talking about the struggles of the poor. But like you go into his influence, you go into what he's trying to say and what he has left behind, I think is the more important part of his legacy. And I hope in the future, y'all want to go into more of his plays with me because there's some good ones that we haven't even touched, like sure. St. Joan of the Stockyards and yeah, Arturo E. And even Galileo is, it is a three to four hour long play, very monologue but out of his like famous plays, probably my favorite one. Like I said though, I think there's a topple. Um, wow, uh, that would be awesome. It, so we should watch that. Yeah. Uh, oh, words, right. Trev. So if I could distill everything you said, like based, especially the the beginning part is uh, about your your theory on Brecht is is that if you take the good, and then you take the bad, you, you take, take them, them all. You take them both, and then you have the Brecht of life. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, it's kind of like life. it's kind of like a cosmic gumbo. <laughs> yeah. What was the theme song to Alf? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, I don't remember. Anyone? I can't Anyone? Remember it's Alf. fine. My name's Alf. <laughs> that I was remember. it. Cats. <laughs> that was it. You're right. Yeah. Uh, y'all. Okay. Cool. So. <laughs> I, I appreciate I appreciate all of that, all your final words, because, yeah, this was a big one. The, our second episode was really long because we, we covered, like, you know, 60 frickin' plays. Please, yeah. Um, I had to do a lot of research, uh, and by research, I mean clicking through <laughs> random websites and finding as little information as possible. Um, okay. Did we talk about Dogma 95? We did. We yes, talked about yeah, that. We did, yeah. Okay, okay. Hey, 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 right? Yeah, we did it for a whole, yeah. Okay, uh, somebody... Bob? Da, not that one. Dogma 95 also, to me, also represents people like, um, what's his name now? What's the, Harmony Corinne is very Dogma yeah, 95. Yeah, yeah, Okay, anyway. Uh, I like Harmony Corinne a lot. Sean Baker. Anyone? Uh, Red Rocket? Florida yeah, Red Rocket was, yeah. Tangerine? Yeah. Classics. Oh, I've lost steam. Okay, sorry. I thought we were all friends here, but nobody wants to talk to me about it. No, we're talking to you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Man, I don't want to talk Scott. about I appreciate it. Thanks. I just don't want to talk no, about I your quit. Crouch Walk Rocket, man. Uh, red Crouch Rocket. What? You're, I don't want to talk about your Red Rocket either. Whoa. Oh, okay. oh, oh. Cut this all out or Dance. triple it. This Whoa, is a triple show? it, triple it, triple it, triple <laughs> it. This, this is a show on Brack. We are yeah. talking about balls and dicks and shit. Wow. Balls, dicks, wow. and shit. Those balls, are gumbo. Balls, dicks, shit. Um, leave all this in. Um, my <laughs> lamp's about to fall. Yeah, my lamp fell. Okay. We're... Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, my lamp fell. Jesus. We're done. We're done. CJ, how yeah, you doing? I'm great. Oh, yeah. Come talk to me about it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, You guys are sexy. Yeah, yeah. we sure are. Should We're we rank these shit? motherfuckers? Yeah, let's, let's rank this rank fucking them, shit. Yeah. All right. Bailey loves ranking shit. Uh, yeah, I love ranking shit. I don't know if anybody knows, but I do. I want to rank these motherfuckers, the three that we read. I'm going to go first. How about that? Do it. Number three, I cannot, I cannot actually rank Caucasian Chalk Circle, but I'm going to do it anyway. Number three, the mother. Number two, ball. Number one, 
Caucasian jocks. All right, anyone else? Uh, number three, ball. Number two, okay. Caucasian chalk circle. Number one, the mother. Okay. Uh, yeah, I will go number three, ball. Number two, the mother. Number one, Caucasian chalk circle. Okay. Trav. Uh, do you, you want know your number full, one? Do you want my full ranking or my? Give us three your top ranking? ten. Give us your top ten, <laughs> ten to one. But you have to start at ten. But you have to go quick. Okay, but since we did Caucasian Chalk Circle, I just want to say that is at 18. 18, got it. Okay. Ball cool. is at 12. Okay. The Fame Three Penny is 11, just because it's on there and everybody probably was curious. So, yeah. number 10, Arturo Ui. Number okay. 9, Mother Courage. Yeah. Number 8, Round Heads and Pointed Heads. Okay. Number 7, Galileo. Six. Number 6, the one act, uh, Learstruck. The exception and the rule. Yum. Number five, man equals man slash the elephant calf. Number four, the good person of Szechuan. Sure. Number three, the rise and fall of the city of Mahogany. Number two, St. Joan of the Stockyards. Yeah. And number one is the mother. Hey, number 18 was Caucasian. Yeah. Scott, what was your number one? Caucasian, Caucasian chalk circle. Caucasian, yeah, yeah. Why? Do you remember? Yeah, it's the <laughs> it's the Claire. It was a the, that I had seen that wonderful production of it, but it yeah. was also b there was, um, the clarity of his themes and the clarity of what he was trying to say Fine. that I found. I just I just checked out during the mother. I just couldn't. Um, yeah, and I got it pretty quick. I knew where it was going pretty fast. Well, CJ loves the mother. So, yeah. CJ, what yeah. was your enjoyment of the mother? Uh, honestly, the main thing was a woman of a certain age finding her true meaning in life. I'm like, uh -huh. all right, Brecht, that's cute. Or Elizabeth. <laughs> I love Elizabeth, it. But, yeah. Especially because, like, 42 is old. I'm, I'm, like, getting there. I could play the mother. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, you play you my mother. You want to play my mom? You could. You want to play my mom? Totally play. Play my mom. Play my mom. to play my mom. I've played so many moms for Trav already. The... I think I'm the only old person Trav knows. <laughs> Is that right? I know Leon. Leon. <laughs> you know Leon, Leon Rossum? Leon okay. Rossum as <laughs> the mother. <laughs> you know somebody in their late seventies? Perfect. Um. Uh, you guys are really sexy. Yeah. I keep wanting to like. Keep hanging out, but we got to get out of here because Wu Tang. Um, what else do we have to do? LA Spotlight. Dream. 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 Let's dream. let's let's dream about roles. Dream roles. Anyone got one? Yeah, I got one. Mother. I want to do Asdak. I want to play Asdak. He wants to be Asdak. <laughs> Asdak. <laughs> wow. Have y'all seen the Nasdaq this week? Uh, ooh, it's not looking great. No. Uh, Nasdaq. I want to okay. adapt and star in my hip hop version of Ball. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. As Ball. As Ball. You just want to hit people on stage? Is that your whole? Is um, that your king? You know. You know. Um, I get it. But I, I told you, I'm a masochist. What can yeah. I say? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I would like to direct Three Penny the way that I was going to direct it in COVID. That's all. I would, I would also want to add Gaily Gay to my list. I you know we didn't talk about him, but Man Equals Man Gaily Gay is just so funny, and I'd love to do that shit. Boom, 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 boom. Boom. What about you, Bales? Okay, 
Uh, that's it. I just want to direct my three, three penny. penny. Okay. Um, and maybe you know I'll play Mac the Knife one day. That'll be fun. <laughs> um, or no, actually, I really, actually, I know we didn't read this, but I really love. There's a part whose name his name is Tiger. I think he's like a general or something Tiger in Brown? Three Penny. What is it? Tiger Brown. Tiger Brown. Yes. Tiger Brown. <laughs> be a right. good Tiger Brown. That'd be funny. Okay. Um. Spotlights. <laughs> LA Spotlight. Anybody have any LA Spotlights that they want to shout out that will be happening after this Sunday when this comes out? Well, I'm thrilled to say that tickets are available for the <laughs> musical workshop presentation of A Midsummer Nightmare. Wow. It is free. The tickets are free. You just have to wow. go to sacredfools.org and get them. Uh, if you can donate and would like to donate to the theater, great. Uh, but it's going to be the first step in many steps of uh, developing this big ass musical that's going to feature cj and bailey and did i already mention i'm quitting did i say that already <laughs> you said yes. that last week I am but, quitting. That I am every quitting. week but we all quitting. we all agreed that you needed the money because you have a i do need the money of, okay can i have it back <laughs> yeah we'll give okay. you back <laughs> uh, but yeah so that's what i got uh october 21st and 22nd uh come on out and uh give notes yell <laughs> and scream Come give, give CJ acting notes. <laughs> I have something. I, for the I, lady, CJ, for the lady I had play. to say. <laughs> I just remember in the last episode you were talking about how many people will come up and be like, hey, in the next step of your acting process. You, should... <laughs> you have grown so much, CJ. Uh, those are my favorite notes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I yourself, have, everybody. I have, a pre, I have a pre-note for you. Uh, a little less suck. <laughs> Yeah, can you oh, be a little better? A little less suck. A little less suck. A little less suck. A little more conversation. I do hey. have a spotlight, but I also have a funny story. The only leading role that I played ever at Webster in um, The Memory of Water, we were like a week away from opening, and director's just sitting down going through all the notes, and she goes, okay, CJ, um, page 36, could you just <laughs> act better <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, my LA spotlight is hocus pocus 2 is fun but it's not as good as hocus pocus really because I heard it's better it's From not the, the trailer says it's, it's better it's uh, not it has it's Sam not. Richardson in it so I don't know who that is yeah it's no, I, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll a crop. It. it was I'm worth good. it it's it does Hollywood it watch. has one of the to, it, it at the end of the trailer it has the audacity to say even in quotes like from like the times or some shit or like e, e e fucking whoever it's like better than the first one you have to watch it and i was You're like incorrect. Whoa. it's Whoa. fun they just play all the hits in the second movie well the um, first one's like fine so it's like the hangover i love two, it the first like one's fine. fun second i love yeah, it we, but it's fine. we'll discuss it offline the hangover <laughs> no, part two of now. disney horror movie <laughs> you have to go to wu-tang two. Trav, we love you. Thank uh, you so much for joining us. I gotta, oh, you have I a fucking spotlight. spotlight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I assistant directed a show God last weekend. And by the time you're probably hearing this, it's on its se second or third weekend, probably going nice. on to its third weekend right now. Nice. It is called Mass Graves, uh, written by Chris Eli Black and directed by Matt Lorenzo, following a group of men in a halfway house. It's going up at Loft Ensemble. 
Friday and Saturday at 8 p.m. and Sunday at 7 p.m. So that's so October what? No, uh, it goes until October 21st, I believe. 2022 to, to date this podcast. 2022, yeah. yes. Uh, Loftensemble.org to reserve your tickets. They are donated what you can so i mean that's practically free if not free depending on how I mean, much you want to donate i can donate a lot well do mm. it or you can donate your semen i will not tell you not is that i want to see it? the show blood before i donate blood and semen where are we going is there a blood a and semen bank at loft is that what you're hey, saying man, oh my god look, look at cj's poor it is, face it is a I'm church just, she's and excited. who am i to tell she people she's not excited is, are who? we in a brecht bleeding. play right now who What's am happening? i your nose is bleeding <laughs> collect it for the blood and who, semen drive. who am i to tell someone not to masturbate and bleed at a church we're gonna cut all of this and put it three more times um loop it uh and then also i just want to say check out my instagram at gatsby of suburbia i'm sure it's in the show notes uh where i do daily poetry though i have forgot to do mine today due to trying to read this play before you should probably fucking write a poem i'll write about write a haiku i'm gonna write about jerking off in a church cj thoughts that's it that's all she perfect got. That's cool it. good that's times it. good times anybody have anything else they want to say because i don't have anything no thanks uh thanks for joining us trav and uh this has been a cool series yeah trav anytime wu-tang wu-tang thanks for joining us uh this has been the three penny podcast unfortunately it's the finale so we are moving on after this but god next week um, what are we doing next week? Next week, the we're Wiz. The Wiz live. That's right. <laughs> it's Bailey's episode. pick <laughs> bonus episode. Uh, we're we're finishing out. We got a few more of those. We got we got the Wiz, and then we have my next one will be Grease, and then the next one's Rent, and then the last one I'm gonna do, and we don't have to do any after that is a Christmas story, the musical live oh. because it's it's interesting because like Maya Rudolph's in it, and it's really weird. All right. Um, we're gonna talk about it. Um, I think she's in it. Did I just misquote? I don't know oh, who's no. in it. Someone's in it. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, thanks for joining us. And then after that is Tom Stoppard. Yeah. Yay. Rosencast Stop. and Gildan Pod. No, Pod and Rosen. <laughs> Rosen Pod and Gildan Cast. Rosencast and Gildan Pod. Rosen. Sure. I don't. I can't remember. Rosen Pod and wait. Rosen Pod and Gildan Cast. That's it. Are dead. Rosenpod sure. and Gildencast. Ah, uh, fuck. Oh, we gotta get podcast. out of here, guys. Go to the Wu Tang concert. We love you so much. Let's close it out. Uh, questions, questions, comments, compliments. You can email us or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Scott. Thank you so much, CJ. A big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson, who wrote our theme song. Our theme song is better than your theme song. Suck yeah. it. Uh, he also writes all of our stingers, and he's an amazing human being. And to the great Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, Annie Baker, who writes every single one of our episodes and doesn't even know it. One day, Annie she Baker, knows. we're going to buy you a beer. Huh? What? Who? Who? She knows, uh, though. She knows that she writes. She knows. Things. Yeah, keep going. She wrote yeah, this yeah. that I'm saying right now. Trav, we appreciate you. Thanks so love much. We love you. Love you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Subscribe, rate, review. It really does help. Tell them not to cry <laughs> at all. Never got the Mary Poppins in there. Heaven is wherever I fall. Tell them. <laughs> Not to cry at all. Heaven is.
is wherever I fall. Tell them <laughs> <I'm gonna cry. laughs> not to cry. Bye. 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 The theater, the theater. Theater, theater. To me, 